Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The violin soloist presents a flawless rendition of Pachelbel's Canon in D major. Rose petals are scattered in the aisle. A nice touch. The bridesmaids arrive in their stylish but traditional dresses with gleaming smiles on their faces. The groomsmen in their tuxedos, young and stalwart and handsome. Same has to be said for the groom. And then at her most beautiful moment, the bride glides up the aisle on her father's elbow, holding back tears of joy as she gazes into the eyes of her soon-to-be husband. Everyone takes their places. The minister announces a welcome to all who have arrived for this momentous occasion. The ceremony begins, and soon into it, there's a scripture reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The words of the Apostle Paul, given to him by the Holy Spirit, and now chosen by husband and wife for their wedding day. And nobody is surprised. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. This is a wedding. And a wedding is all about love, right? Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Who's going to argue about this when, when the groom looks into his beloved eyes and promises to be faithful to her and to love her as long as they both shall live? And when she looks at him to make the same promise, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. For goodness sake, what couple and and, and what guests don't want to hear about that kind of love on a wedding day? It's It's so romantic. It's so enchanting. But later on, When the violinist has put her instrument back in the case and headed home, when the rose petals have been swept up and the tuxedos returned to the rental shop and the bridesmaids' stylish but traditional dresses put in various closets, later on when the reception and the honeymoon are over and the couple have their first major disagreement followed by later on not soon afterwards their second major disagreement and their third when the shortcomings of husband and wife are exposed to one another like never before 
1 Corinthians chapter 13 seems to reflect a dismal reality. Love is patient? Oh my, I wish it always were. But often I'm the least patient with the person I promise to love the most. Love is kind, maybe to strangers, but to my spouse, always. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud at, at the romantic and enchanting wedding. Husband and wife wouldn't dare to even think about the possibility of feeling that way. But in a real life relationship, in a real life marriage, real people regularly find themselves green with envy and puffed up with every sort of arrogant pride. And it's not just husband and wife who fail with that sort of love, is it? I mean, it's, it's easy for somebody to boast, I consider myself a, a loving person. Except when I'm muttering rude words about folks who upset me with their bad behavior and except when when I'm getting stirred up about my lazy relative or my my unprofessional coworker and except when 90% of the time it seems that I'm looking first for my own interests instead of of loving others first yeah it's easy to to boast I, I consider myself a, a loving person except when my love runs out of energy and I just kind of give up. Love never fails. Are you looking at this? Love never fails? Hold up this famous passage like a mirror and stare at yourself in the cold light of reality and what you see is not romantic and it's not, it's not enchanting. It, it's perhaps one of the most humbling thing and, and painful things you, you have to look at. So, what if you and I were to look at these 1 Corinthians chapter 13 words in a different way? What if we were to Put the mirror face down. What if we were to put aside the idea of, of rose petals and, and, and violin music and wedding party and give our attention instead to someone else? You didn't hear it earlier, but the apostle prefaces this famous chapter with these words. He writes, and now... I will show you the most excellent way. So I have to ask you, what way is more excellent than the way of the Father who loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins? Again, I have to ask you, what way is more excellent than the way of 
God who so loved the world that he gave his one and only son unto death and then raised him from death. God is love, scripture says. What an excellent way. God is love. So I must propose that this 1 Corinthians 13 love has to be seen first as God's love for you and even for me. Jesus once said, these are the scriptures that testify about me, about his love, right? Jesus' love is patient. So patient that for all of our wrongs, he would, he would never push us away from him. Jesus' love is kind. So kind, he thoughtfully considers each of our needs, even the very little ones, and, and then finds a way to meet the needs of us and many others who are often unknowing or ungrateful or unkind ourselves. Jesus' love does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud. Yeah, he humbled himself even to death on the cross so that he might shed his blood to set us free. You know, much of this chapter could be understood in terms of Jesus' love. Just substitute here. Jesus' love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Sounds like the famous psalm, doesn't it? Psalm 130. O Lord, if you kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore we can serve you without fear. The Lord Jesus does not keep tabulations of our jealousies. He does not mark down our moments of envy. He doesn't keep track of, of those occasions for anger or pride or selfishness, although they are many. He doesn't count any of them against us. Baptized in his name, it's obvious. All those wrongs are washed away. Fed by his holy supper, it's crystal clear. With the Lord, there is forgiveness. Take a long look and examine the written record of the life of Christ from beginning to end. And then, yes, go beyond his living and his dying to his living again where he is with us always, where he is shepherding and guarding and keeping us at all times and in every way. And you'll see the greatest love ever. Jesus' love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus' loves, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always, always perseveres. You know, even in, the, even in the cold light of realities that are far from enchanting or romantic, even the, even the cold light of everyday real life with our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus, this 1 Corinthians chapter 13 love truly is 
the most excellent way. You and I could stop right there with that look. We could find our peace in that love and go on, go on with an, an excellent today and tomorrow. But the Lord's apostle won't let us do that. Let me explain. You see, to a significant extent, this 1 Corinthians chapter 13 love, it really is all about us. It's what we've been gifted with and what we do as the members of the body of Christ. Remember that imagery? It's all over the place in the chapter that's right before this. Remember that picture? Jesus Christ, the apostle writes, is the head. And so as the head, Jesus decides, directs, leads, guides, blesses. By his grace, each of us is joined to him as the members of his body, baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, Paul writes, every member of the body of Christ exists and is equipped to honor and serve Christ, to honor and serve the other members of the body, and to honor and serve all others. In the chapter right before this one, the apostle then goes on to, to list some of the gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit for doing that very thing. Different kinds of gifts, he writes. Some members of the first century church received the gift of tongues. The gift that we see in, in the book of Acts chapter 2 where, where they could bear witness to the word and the ways of God in real languages that they had never previously studied or learned. Some members of the body have the gift of prophecy, he writes. The, the gift to, to proclaim, to, to preach, to, to teach, to encourage with the words and ways of, of God, uh, even, even under difficult circumstances. Some members have received the gift of knowledge. They understand the words and ways of God very well, including in those mysteries that are really only revealed in Holy Scripture. Some members have the gift of charity, giving with extraordinary generosity. Some members have been gifted with the gift of extraordinary faith in the words and ways of God. When other believers are tempted to hesitate, to doubt, to give in to fear, their gift is to remain firm on the foundation of God's truth. Some have the gift of Hope, an extraordinary gift in, in regard to the future, recognizing that God is present and at work in, in past, present, and future. Every one of those is a precious gift given by the, by, by, by the Holy Spirit through the word. Every, every one of those gifts, when we see it around us, we praise God for them, even when some of those gifts belong, do not belong to me or to you personally. And yet with comparison, to the love that is formed in Christ and that's now given to you and me as the members of his body. 
If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal. No musical beauty to that. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. The comparison couldn't be more obvious. There's nothing better for for the community in which you live and that you truly love your friends and your neighbors and that you even love your enemies and go out of your way to show that. There's nothing more valuable to the church, to the family of believers than, than that we, we love one another and care for one another, not just with words but in action. What, what, what's, there, there's nothing more beautiful for a family to observe than, than when husband and wife love and honor one another. There's nothing healthier for your household than when you, you love your children and your grandchildren and when you love your parents and your grandparents. There's no more finer Christian virtue and gift than love. You know what that looks like, right? You've seen it in the, the Christian coworker who has become a dear friend because when you're at work and even apart from that, she genuinely cares about you, how you're doing, will, will, will patiently put up with your mistakes, will encourage you when you're down and never, never lose patience with you. Pray for an extra measure of such love for yourself, for your own everyday life. You've seen that love in that dear friend who's never had an unkind word to say about anyone, who's always there to help you, who lifts the mood of, the room, of, of, of every room he enters. Look for that sort of love as you grow in the word and in faith. Look for that love and, and cultivate that in your own life as the Spirit gives it. Perhaps you've seen that love in your spouse when he or she tells you painful truth but not to hurt you, instead to assist you seen it in your husband or your wife when he or she puts up with the same mistakes over and over. Ask the Lord to give you that same measure of love. Perhaps you've seen it in your mom or your dad who from childhood to adulthood was, was always not only protective but patient with you. Ask the Lord to give you that same spiritual gift for yourself in your own family. But above all, yeah, you and I have seen that very much in Christ. His love, that, that grants us peace and redemption, certainly does. But there's also power in his love. There's power in the love of Christ for us. 
That's why he can look at, at stumbling disciples like those 12 long ago or like you and me today. That's why he can, can grant forgiveness for every mistake and sin and fault and then say to us with confidence these words. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Is that the love of Christian music and songs and hymns? Of course it is. Is that the love of a Christian wedding? Absolutely. But it's also the love that is the most practical way to live out our lives. Seek that most excellent gift of the Spirit, that most highest, the highest of virtues, as you devote yourself to, to the Word and to prayer. Seek that gift, because that gift of love glorifies your loving Savior, who himself glorified his Father in all that he did. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs>